<laughs> hey, everybody, welcome this evening. Welcome to the 5 p.m. service. So good to have you with us this evening. <clears throat> We're currently in the middle of a sermon series that's called Culture Shift. Everybody say Culture Shift. Amen. And just a heads up, this is pretty much the sermon that Haley preached this morning. Like, we were both preparing different messages, and yesterday we caught up and we're like, like, the, the crux of the message is literally the same. So you're getting a 2.0, like it's like a bit of a push on the, a little bit of a wound, so you're going to get that pushed in this evening. So I hope you're ready for it because it was a hard word for me. Uh, worldly culture is influencing a lot of the things that we do. It's influencing every aspect of our lives, uh, the the way that we do things, the way that we uh, think, it's influencing. Worldly culture is influencing the way that we think, the way that we respond to things, even right down to the things that we say. Worldly culture is influencing the words that we speak, the words and the language that we speak. You see, you need to know that the world is good at quoting Scripture. The world is good at taking biblical principle, but then putting a spin on it. But you see, just because it shimmers, it doesn't mean it's gold, because everything that shimmers ain't gold. Uh, and the way to know whether it's real gold or not, you need to put it in the heat. Because once you put it in the heat, uh, if it's real gold, it's going to come out purified. If it's not legit gold, it's going to melt, wither, and die in the heat. The world will say, your truth is going to set you free. Sounds like gold to me. But if you put it into the heat of life's trials and circumstances and situations, you will find that that kind of a gold is going to wither and die. Why? Because my truth is going to knock up against your truth. We're going to start to contend and be in conflict with one another. But it's not my truth or your truth that's going to set us free. The truth will set us free. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Don't get it twisted just because it glimmers and shimmers don't mean that it's gold. The world will say you are perfect just the way you are. Sounds like gold to me, but you place it into the, the heat and the, 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 you know, like the fires of life's trials and situations and circumstances, you're going to find that that kind of a gold is also going to wither and die because he's the truth. Jesus is perfect. We are not. <laughs> if we were perfect, Jesus wouldn't have to go to the cross to purchase our redemption. But the thing is, we're not perfect. And so God is trying to redeem us back to the original picture of who we were meant to to be. Don't get it twisted just because it shimmers doesn't mean it's gold. Uh, the world will say, if it feels right, do it. Trust what you feel. Go with your feeling. You know, if it feels good, do it. Sounds like gold to me, but you place it into life's uh, seasons of heat and trials and circumstances, situations, you'll find it's going to wither and die. Why? Because our feelings, they shift and change with the weather. <laughs> our feelings are not consistent uh, and so our feelings are not a good indicator of truth. Jesus is the truth. Therefore, we need to rein our feelings in to the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. But we don't take Jesus and try to fit him into our truth. Just because it shimmers, it don't mean it's gold. And so in a world of ever-changing culture, ever-shifting culture, in a world of dominant cultural narratives, our guiding light is not hype. Our guiding light is not the opinions of man. Our guiding light is the word of God. Because the Word of God is going to guide you through life. It is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. The Word of God is going to equip you for every good work. It's going to teach you, rebuke you, correct you, train you in righteousness. The Word of God is going to, to judge our thoughts and our heart attitudes so sharp that it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The Word of God is going to endure forever. The grass may wither, the flowers may die, but the Word of God 
is going to endure forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the Word of God will never pass away. The Word of God is right and true because the Lord is faithful and true in what He does and what He says. You see, I can go on quoting all these different scriptures about the Word of God, but it's important that you know what the Word says. It's important that you don't live off of someone else's revelation of who God is. It's important that you don't just take what I preach from the pulpit uh, and go with it. You need to know God for yourself by meditating, reading, and getting into the Word of God. It's important that we take time. We make it a priority to know God for ourselves through the reading of His Word. Why? Because our guiding light is the Word of God. Somebody say Word. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this evening. And Lord, we bring ourselves under the authority of your word. And I pray, God, that we would leave this place encouraged, transformed uh, by the power of your word. We thank you, God, for the privilege and the freedom and the liberty that we've got in this country to be able to just share your word, preach your word, hear your word, Lord. And so, God, may we never take these moments for granted. God, we love you and we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, turn with me to Matthew 5. Verse 2 to 10. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It's also there in the screen. It says this. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Tonight, my message is simply titled, Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag blessed. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you blessed? <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know, this world that we live in, this world has got its own definition of the word blessed. But blessed is a biblical term. The word blessed is used numerous times in the scriptures, in the Bible. Uh, but one of the Hebrew words uh, for, the, for the word blessed is the word barak, which means to bless someone, to congratulate someone, to praise Someone, Barak is blessing that is initiated by God. It's God's initiative. Thanks, Joy Hooker. Uh, God blessed the sea creatures and the animals, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. They were blessed because God said it. It was God's initiative. God said the same thing about Adam and Eve. Uh, he blessed them and said, have dominion over the land, over creation. And then he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. They were blessed because God said it. It was God's initiative. But another Hebrew word for the word blessed is this word isha, which is more to do with the person's being. It is more to do with the person's character. And that is where I would like to labor tonight as I expound on what it means to be truly blessed. When I was preparing for this message, I did the most unthinkable thing that any person who was preparing for a message would ever do. I went onto the gram, I went on Instagram, and I typed up hashtag blessed. And I searched and it came back with 140 million different versions or ideas of what the world says is hashtag blessed. Some great and some not so great. Uh, there was this one post of this guy who was laying on his Lamborghini, yellow Lamborghini, and he had so many different photos of, of himself laying back. He had this, uh, this selfie done and uh, he was flexing and the caption was hashtag blessed. 
Um, there was this other photo of this guy who bought brand new Timberlands. Timberlands are these shoes. $1,000, limited edition. He's taking a selfie of himself. He's like flexing, and the, the, the caption is hashtag blessed. I saw another photo of a, another person uh, who was in the middle of her performance, uh, a celebrity, and she was in the middle of her performance, but she stopped and took the, a video of herself, uh, and the whole crowd and the arena was roaring her name, uh, and her, her, she was flexing, and she had the selfie on lock, uh, but the caption, was, uh, the caption was hashtag blessed. I saw this other video of this other person who had uh, a video of their bed, and it was covered in money. And so the video was like showing them picking up the money and throwing it out in the air, making it rain, making it rain. And the caption was hashtag blessed. And then I saw this other video or this other photo of this other individual uh, who was, had nothing, but now they had a lot of things. He was the successful entrepreneur, uh, but he had the two photos next to each other and the caption was hashtag blessed. This world that we live in says that the more that you have, the more hashtag blessed that you are. The more money that you have, the more Jordans that you own, the more Louis Vuitton and Gucci that you've got hanging in your wardrobe, the more fancier the car, the more bigger the house that you own, the more degrees that you hold, the more bigger the career and the fame that you have, the more, the more, the more that you have, the more hashtag blessed that you are. And so we put God's stamp of hashtag blessing on it, and we say, I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Come and look at the materialistic things that the God has hashtag blessed me with. I don't want you to get me wrong. I'm not trying to hate. Ain't nothing wrong with having all of the gifts. Ain't nothing wrong with having the doctorate and the master's degree and the bachelor's degree. Ain't nothing wrong with owning your own house. Ain't nothing wrong with driving the fanciest of cars. All of those things are blessings in the sense that God has given them to you. They are a gift. But I don't think you were born to just pay mortgage for the rest of your life. I don't think you were born uh, just to study for the rest of your life. I don't think you were born just to work a nine-to-five job to make an earning and a living for the rest of your life. I don't think you were born just to pay bills for the rest of your life. You see, those gifts are not the source of your blessedness. The gift is only meant to point you to the one who is giving you the gift. Because if your being hashtag blessed is dependent on how much of a blessing that you've got, if it's dependent on the material things that you have, what would happen if you took the material things away? What happens when you don't have the gift no more? What would happen if you don't have the money no more? What would happen if you don't have the car no more? What would happen if you don't have the house no more? Does this mean that we're not blessed anymore because the opposite of blessed is cursed? Does that mean we're cursed? It's either God is catfishing us with all of this blessedness stuff or we've seriously got the wrong end of the stick. It's important that our idea of what hashtag blessed means is not being informed and dictated by what the world says is blessed. Because if the world's definition of blessed is accolades and dollar bills and people's commendation, what becomes of our blessedness when you take it all away? The gifts are great, but we ought, not to, we, we ought to be careful that we don't get caught up in being in awe of the gift, but we ought to be in awe of the one who's given us the gift. And so if being blessed is not material things, if it's got nothing to do with the things or the states, what does it mean to be blessed? The word blessed that Jesus uses here in the passage is not used to refer to material things. It is the Greek word makarios. In English, it means to be truly happy. But it's not the kind of happiness that the world refers to as happiness because it has nothing to do with what we have or what we do, but it's got everything to do with who we are. 
This passage is known as the Beatitudes. Many scholars of the Bible, they grapple with this passage because many of them consider that this, this sermon of Jesus is a bit legalistic. Some of them say that uh, it's not applicable to us today. It's only applicable to Jesus, you know, to a dispensation in Jesus' time. Uh, they say that it's not applicable to the, it's only applicable to the time of the final establishment of God's kingdom. Others believe that this passage is not for us today, but more for the kingdom age. Regardless of what their theological viewpoints or dissertations may be, one thing is very clear. We are specifically told that this sermon was for disciples. And so I don't know about you, but if you're a disciple of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, then this message is for you. But if you're here tonight and you're not really sure, then continue to tune in. Because my prayer is that by the end of this message, message, you're going to know for real who Jesus is and why it is that we're not ashamed to be called disciples of Jesus. And so in this passage, it's called the Beatitudes. Someone said to me this week in the office, it's the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. It's all about the character. It's all about the who we are that results in us being blessed or truly happy. The world will say that happiness is an external thing, but biblical happiness is an internal thing. And so here's the culture shift. Jesus steps onto the scene and he flips the culture upside down, shifts the whole thing, and he says, you over there, the poor in spirit, hashtag blessed. You over here, those who mourn, hashtag blessed. The meek at the back over there, hashtag blessed. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, hashtag blessed. The merciful, hashtag blessed. The pure in heart, hashtag blessed. The peacemakers over here, hashtag blessed. Uh, those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, you're hashtag blessed. Now I want us to take a moment to really consider that. When was the last time you ever saw a photo of someone, uh, a, a post of someone who posted up a photo of a rundown house with no roof and the caption was hashtag blessed? When was the last time you, were, uh, you saw a post of someone who was in the middle of a loved one's funeral and in the middle of the funeral, they took a photo and it was, the caption said, hashtag blessed. When was the last time you ever saw a photo of someone who was battered and bruised for preaching the gospel and the caption was hashtag blessed? And it's because we've got no concept of what it means to be blessed, to be happy in biblical terms. It's because none of these attitudes that we read of in the Beatitudes are natural attitudes. They're actually spiritual attitudes. And so the first thing that Jesus says, we're going to go through this, he says, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. They aren't blessed because they are poor and have nothing. Poor in spirit means to be aware of our nothingness before God. It means to be completely and totally dependent and reliant on God for all things. One scholar of the word put it this way, the term poor covers all who would learn who come like children to the great book of life, the Bible, and know at last that all their knowledge is but a handful of pebbles on an illimitable shore. In other words, we will experience our most complete personal fulfillment and blessedness when we draw on God to guide our lives. To be blessed is to be totally dependent and reliant on God for provision, for healing, for breakthrough, for deliverance, for salvation. The second thing Jesus says is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You aren't blessed because you're comforted. You're blessed because you mourn. And mourn here in the Bible has nothing to do with physical bereavement or sorrow. It's a spiritual kind of a mourning that realizes I'm but a wretched man. It comes from realizing every single day that I'm in a state of spiritual poverty. It also means to mourn over the sins of others. In other words, to mourn in this passage 
is to have a heart for the lost, to have a heart that seeks to save the lost. We mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with those who rejoice. Yes, we mourn, the, we mourn oppression. We mourn uh, persecution. But we don't despair because we know how the story ends. Yes, we mourn over personal sin. Yes, we mourn social evil. But we don't mourn like the way that the world does. When we mourn, we become instruments of the good news of the kingdom of heaven as we bring the comfort of God that we ourselves have experienced. To be blessed is to have a heart for the lost. Jesus says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The definition of the word meek is to be gentle, to be lowly, to be uh, submissive. Being meek doesn't mean being a spineless Christian. It means to have a complete absence of pride and reliance on self. It means I don't worry what others think of me because I'm too amazed at the fact that God even thought of me one time and sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for me. To be meek is not to worry about my reputation or my position. Why? Because I realize that one day I will inherit the kingdom and reign with Christ. To be blessed is to be humble. Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Jesus didn't say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the gifts. He didn't say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after the material things, who hunger and thirst after the world's version of happiness. But he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst righteousness. It means having a hunger and a thirst, a desire to be in a, in a right relationship with the righteous God. It is a desire to rid myself of every sin and every barrier that could stop me from being in a right relationship with the righteous God. Nowadays, we hunger the car more than we hunger the word. We hunger the house more than we hunger being in the house and serving in the house of God. Our appetite for the things of God is becoming blunt because of the things of the world. But the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus goes on to say, blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. Mercy is not pity. It's far more than our human attribute of showing mercy. In fact, mercy is a term that is applied to God himself. God is a merciful God. He is full of mercy. He doesn't give to humans what they deserve, but he gives to humans what they do not deserve. He forgives them even when they don't deserve it. That's mercy. You see, during Jesus' time, there were many religious leaders who couldn't even receive God's mercy because they believed that they didn't need it. They were self-righteous in their own ways uh, that they thought, hey, I don't need mercy. I don't need saving from nothing. Uh, but Jesus steps onto the scene and says, he doesn't say blessed are the people who have it all together. He says, blessed are the merciful. And so to be blessed is to extend mercy. Jesus goes on to say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In Jesus' day, purity was like the biggest thing. It was like an important theme, uh, religious theme in Jesus' time. Being able to uphold all of the Old Testament laws of purity and being clean meant that you were able to bypass the highest uh, purity, which is the purity of heart. But Jesus steps onto the scene and he says, a pure heart doesn't happen from the outside in. It happens from the inside out. Pure in heart has got nothing to do with the ritual. It's got nothing to do with religion. And in the sermon, Jesus echoes the themes of Psalms 24. He says, pure in heart is a person whose single-minded loyalty to God affects every area of his life. He goes on to say, 
Uh, in other words, you may have not necessarily kept the rituals. You may not have necessarily uh, kept all of the purification ceremonies, but your undivided loyalty to God and His ways makes you pure of heart. To be blessed is to give God your undivided loyalty. Jesus goes on to say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Peace is all throughout the Bible. It is the Hebrew word shalom, and it's this idea of completeness and fullness and wholeness in every area of life. And earlier this year, um, Pastor Haley preached on it, and she defined it as destroying the authority that brings about chaos. The peacemakers are those who destroy the authority that brings about chaos. How do you do it? You do it by bringing the good news into the chaos. You do it by taking the good news of the gospel into the chaos. The peacemakers are those who bring the harmony between, bring harmony between people. Therefore, to be blessed is to carry Jesus' mission of peacemaking to the world. In the end there, Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for, their, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus here comforts those who have been persecuted for righteousness. And during Jesus' time, the religious leaders of his day were persecuting people for not meeting their human standards. But even to the, to the, to the, to the, to the point of um, persecuting those who were actually making a stand for true righteousness. And so Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. To be blessed is to make a stand against self-righteousness. If I can ask the keys to join me this evening. Here's the thing that you need to know. All of these beatitudes, they aren't a list of things that we need to do in order for us to be hashtag blessed. Because the truth is, if we could, you know, try to do it all and yet still not even come close to what it means or experience true blessedness. Because being blessed has nothing to do with what we have or what we do. It's got everything to do with who we are. And so the question is, who are you? Who am I? Who are we? Genesis 1 verse 27 says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You are a creation who was created in the image of God. One of the very first things that God, the creator, the king of the earth, the one with the authority over all of creation, one of the very first things that he does is he creates mankind and gives them authority to rule over creation by making them in his image. But the issue is in the same way that we are good people and good stewards of the earth, we are also not so good in that we sin and bring suffering. But man, I'm glad for Jesus. <laughs> Here's why we're not ashamed to be called one of his disciples, because while our, while our sin distorts the image of God that we were meant to be, Jesus is the perfect image of God. In sending Jesus to the earth, God showed us what it really looked like to live a life in the image of God. Jesus' example is one of total reliance on God, he came to seek and save the lost. His example is one of meekness and righteousness and mercy, and he is pure of heart. He's got peace. He was even persecuted, even unto righteousness. Wait a minute. That sounds like the Beatitudes. 
You see, as you go down the list of every single one of these spiritual attitudes, you will come to realize that they all point back to Jesus. The word blessed that Jesus uses in the Beatitudes is the Greek word makarios, which has the same meaning as the Hebrew word esha in the Hebrew language. And you see the meaning of the word esha, it means to walk a straight line. Studies have shown that if you blindfold people and you say to them, walk in a straight line, they will naturally start to walk in circle. To be blessed is not to walk around and around in a circle blind. To be blessed is to walk in a straight line. But before you go on saying, oh, that sounds like a whole lot of doing stuff again now. <laughs> you see the Hebrew word Esha, it paints a very specific picture. The Hebrew language is a very pictorial language, meaning the words or stories are expressed through pictures. And so the Hebrew word Esha is made up of an S, which is a picture of teeth. And that represents pressure. And the letter R, which is a picture of the head, that represents the top or the beginning. When combined, the word Esha means press the beginning. You see, to be blessed is to walk a straight line. But how, we walk this, how do we walk the straight line? We do it by pressing the beginning. We do it by pressing into our beginning. We do it by pressing into who we were meant to be in the beginning. Who were you created to be? A man and a woman who was created in the image of God. And so you walk the straight line fixing your eyes on Jesus. You walk the straight line, patterning yourself after the perfect image of God, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed this evening, let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that it reminds us of who we were meant to be. But because of sin, God, that got in the way and this picture of uh, being made in the image of you was distorted. But Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who was perfect, who was the perfect image of you, who actually laid for us an example of how we ought to walk the straight line. And so we thank you, God, for your word that is reminding us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we walk in this life in this world of shifting cultures, in this world of ever-compromising culture, Lord. We walk the straight line, Lord, by putting our trust and our faith and our focus on Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.